We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. NBA most valuable player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Hello, hey there, welcome, I'm just using all the greetings in this one, to the Eurostep Podcast, I'm here with Rohan Kadi, as always, as usual, here to break down the Bucks' latest victory over the Detroit Pistons, yeah, that was a 127-103 win, for a second it seemed like the Bucks might get their third straight 40-point win, which would be an NBA record, they couldn't do it, that's okay, still a nice win, still a chippy win, we'll get into all that and more more things Bucks with Rohan and then specifically coverage of this game and the Pistons with Lazarus Chance in just a bit. But first, I just got to let everybody know, uh, we're, we're a Blue Wire podcast here at the Eurostep. Obviously, super happy to be part of the Blue Wire podcast network and super happy to be brought to you this week by Indochino's ShipStation and Harry's. Uh, we'll get more to ShipStation and Harry's later, but first, just a word on Indochino. Um, Bucks fans know a little bit about fashion from following DJ Wilson, but on that note, maybe you've also seen RJ Barrett's formal wear. He's been wearing for tunnel walks and other events. I know Rohan remembers his draft suit all pink. It was an item. Uh, those are all Indochino suits and blazers. I always want to say shoots. Indochino suits and blazers. I don't know if they have shoots. I don't know what that would look like. But RJ picked Indochino because they are the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. And everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. Indochino's process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package gets delivered right to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom, or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when entering promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout. And the shipping, it's free. That's Indochino.com promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $3.99 or more. That's an incredible deal, and that means you don't have any more excuse to not wear that beautiful fitting clothing. Speaking of beauty, Rohan, the Bucks look beautiful lately. Let's talk about it. What is your main takeaway, either from this run recently, this insane winning streak the Bucks are on, or this game in general? I'll let you pick. I think it's just an overall thing. Like this, this sounds really simple, but it's also like very important to realize that this team is just very, very good. I know I'm hard hitting analysis right now, but. <laughs> It's just like, it's insane to think about how this team, even if they don't get off to the best starts, 
if they don't um, seem to be shooting well, if they don't seem to be having the right mentality, they still just blow out teams on a nightly basis. Like, this is, this is just what it is, and it has been for 13 straight games. Yeah, now officially the Bucks' longest winning streak since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was on the team, which is uh, pretty cool. Um, another win for the Bucks, another big win for the Bucks. This one was over sometime in like the mid-third quarter probably, right? Yeah, I think that's that when right. That's when Pistons Twitter was like, all right, why do we still have Blake Griffin in this game? Blake refusing to leave this game. Blake and Giannis getting really chippy throughout this thing. That one didn't work out that well for Blake. It really um, hasn't in the last, no. like, ever. <laughs> well, counting playoffs, they're now 0-10 against the Milwaukee Bucks, I believe, since the, the start of last season. Is that, is, that the, is that the number? Is that right? Yes, it is. Oh, yeah, because they, yep. they played once already this year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... 4-0 for the Bucks against the Pistons last year, then another 4-0 in the postseason, 2-0 so far this season. I just, I get why there's sort of a chippiness. I mean, you play them in the playoffs and, and get, I mean, frankly, just embarrassed. You've gotten embarrassed several times. I mean, Giannis has dunked all over Blake, and I think Andre Drummond, oh, definitely on Andre Drummond as mm-hmm. well. Thon, too. And, and Oh, yeah, for yeah for sure. <laughs> and uh, so many former Bucks are on the Pistons. Uh, so there's kind of like some resentment there. I, it's a I, it's I a guess. Bucks graveyard. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> I hadn't seen it termed that exactly before. But what did did you? Am I the only one who was almost a little sad to see Thon not even getting into like the second half of garbage time? He didn't even get in an initial garbage time. Like, yeah, man, it was. Like, I can't believe it. Yeah, it's just he's fallen so far out of grace. It's just, I saw this one tweet from Riley Feldman on Twitter. He was just like, do you remember when Bucks fans got super excited about 40 seconds of Thon defense in the playoffs oh, against the Raptors? Man. Like, oh, how far we have come. Well, I mean, that's that's the issue with Thon always has been. Unfortunately, it seems like maybe it always will be is like, he will have those moments where you're like, wow, if this guy played like this for 80% of games. Future MVP, incredible. according yeah. to Thon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Some of the, some of the, Around the league takes on young buck guys is so funny. I'll never forget Stan Van Gundy's glowing praise of Rashad Vaughn. Oh my goodness! <laughs> what a time! Oh, what a time! We to are be alive. past that for good reason. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> Rashad probably gonna end up on the Pistons at some point, but I'm surprised he isn't. <laughs> there's still a lot of time left. Um, let's talk about more about this run in general, though. Um, specifically, someone I've been really excited about on Twitter. And the Discord all over. Chris Middleton, just been phenomenal since coming back from this injury. I think even better since getting back to the starting lineup. Chris leads the Bucks in plus-minus tonight. Obviously, Giannis leads the way in points with 35 on 21 shots. But Chris puts up 17 of his own on 12 shots, 50% from the field, 50% from three, 100% from the free throw line. Also adds eight rebounds, five assists, a steal, no turnovers. What a beautiful, crisp game from Chris Middleton. That's all in 25 minutes. Rohan, what have you liked about Chris's performances lately? You just He just seems like he's doing everything you would want him to do. When there's like a little lapse in the offense, he can go get you a bucket in the mid-range, and he, like we've been, we've been pining for. Uh, and he's just he's hitting his threes. Everything just seems to be flowing naturally. And I know you've been making a big point that he seems more aggressive. So it's just like him driving to the rim seems much better. He can get two-handed dunks like against the Knicks. Yes. <laughs> I was at that game. It was very fun. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. It was yeah, it was a good time. Um but yeah, he just seems much more um just aggressive. That's the term you've been using and it just, it just it fits because he just he seems to be doing everything right. No, certainly agreed there. Um, the, you're you're right that I've been making a big deal out of the aggressiveness, and I noticed this is something Marcus Johnson was kind of, sort of hinting around during the broadcast here a couple different times. He was talking about Chris taking more of those mid-range looks that were really poo-pooed last year, and how that's become more of a thing again this season. I don't know if you heard him say that as well, mm-hmm. but really, to me, I, I was really excited to hear that because it seems like. You know, the team, the philosophy is like, we're going to shoot all these threes. You got to let good threes fly. But maybe there's some other good shots, too. And I'm all for that on offense. I think that shot diversity is super important, especially for a player like Chris Middleton, who's good enough to make those shots. I think the result has been, I mean, the both of the 40-point blowouts, 
he was dribbling into mid-range looks and just sinking them, no question. Smooth as butter. Looked great. Obviously, the dunk was awesome, too. I mean, that was an aggressive play from Chris where he hunts out a pass that he knew he could intercept. He takes it and dunks it. Those are the kind of things that maybe I just hadn't seen him play in so long with this injury. And it wasn't even that long, but in a while with this injury, and I kind of forgot. But I really I don't think that's the case. I think we're seeing a more aggressive Chris Middleton and I think some of it might be maybe he does have a greener light now. Maybe it is the case where he feels really empowered to take whatever shots he feels are good shots, and he's kind of opening up and shooting more. I mean, this is always something I've wanted to see from Chris, and we're also seeing more Chris Giannis pick and roll, which is resulting in a lot of aggression on both of their parts. I mean, not doesn't always work out, of course, but it just seems like so often when they run that, either one of those guys or somebody else is ending up with a really, really good look. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm really excited about the way the team is playing. I mean, I think more ball movement in general. Mm-hmm. But the way that the pieces on this team are being used feels like it's really, really... It just feels like everybody's been in really good spots over the last three games. And that's, that's I think, why these games are blowouts. I mean, the Bucks are really good regardless. They've won when they haven't gotten in the right positions just because they're so good. But when they're really executing at a high level like this... I mean, even when a team like the Pistons is determined to kind of make the game into a slog and drag it out, they get blown out anyway. Like, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, It seems like as the season has gone along, we've started to see more and more offensive diversity, like you've been saying. It just, it seems to be less just straight line drives, drive and kick. There seems to be less of that. Am Am I wrong in saying that? No, I don't think so at all. It feels to me like a lot more of the threes. And I think one of the important things about this, too, is those drive and kick threes it feels like those end up being more top of the key area. Mm-hmm. And when the Bucks really, you know, get penetration, hit a couple passes in a row, they're then pulling those corner threes open. And those are even better looks. It feels like the Bucks are getting more of those. But, no, I think we've seen a lot less one-to-two-pass possessions and a lot more of, like, a pick-and-roll, and then that gets dumped to somebody else. And then, yeah. you know, there's another movement happen. Someone's cutting in mm-hmm. from a pick-and-roll. Like, there's just been a lot going Everything on. Everything just seems to be off of actions rather yes. than just standalone threes. Like, there's been a lot of action, especially with DJ Wilson. We can talk about him a little bit later. But it just, with uh, him in, like, either corner and just, like, a dribble handoff and him backing up into the corner and splashing a three. Like, there's, there's been a lot of side actions and a lot of actions that you wouldn't necessarily have seen from the Bucks' offense before, which is a very good thing, and the results are showing that it's good. No, absolutely. They're running teams out of the building. Let's just talk about DJ now. I mean, I think he's been terrific putting himself in the right spots on offense. Uh, he could still use to gain a little weight, on, especially on defense. Mm-hmm. I've seen people pointing that out, and that's fair, but, like, I don't know. I think it's a little tough for a guy, and what is DJ in his – Third year or fourth year? Third year, right? Third, third. Third year. To be, like, not able to, you know, credibly post up or defend a posting up Andre Drummond. Like, that's a big dude, man. I, yeah. I mean, DJ Wilson is a forward. He, he's playing more center now, which I think is really interesting. I mean, Bud inserted him as a center in a game recently, and, and I think that was – I mean, Brooke Lopez was out in that game. They did it still, tonight. They did do it tonight as well, yeah. So what are your thoughts on DJ Wilson, the five? Uh, well, just first off, I'm very excited to see him get minutes, even with yeah. just like it just happened. What was it with against... a with a fully rotation big man with a fully healthy big man rotation? Yeah, tonight. just against against Charlotte, he just decided. Bud decided, oh yeah, he's gonna get 20, 20 minutes a game now. <laughs> and then he yeah he put up twenty three minutes against the Hornets, twenty three minutes against the Knicks. Given there was a lot of garbage time, but still he was coming in in like the second quarter. Um, but yeah, he's just DJ at the five. It seems to be very uh, going very well. He seems to be hitting his threes, which is good for the spacing. And it's, I don't know, his defense is, is always a little, is, is always good. But as you were saying, gaining a little weight, maybe, but then again, you don't really need to defend a lot of post-ups anymore, but I don't know. I've just been, I've been very happy to see DJ minutes, especially with Ursan struggling to shoot recently. Yeah, it's that's been a little bit rough. Ursan, and he's, he's been struggling struggling to draw charges recently too, which is like if he wasn't getting those like five tip in a row putbacks, it, it, it would be really rough to watch Ursan minutes lately. But we'll see. He might end up bouncing out of it again, which he seems to do this every year. Like everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people assume he's done and he just decides he's not done. But DJ, um, I think defensively it almost feels like the the Bucks and, and Bud are kind of searching for 
a look besides their usual defensive look where either one of the Lopez twins blocks off the rim and then everybody else just kind of kind of defends around that. You know, DJ is playing, I think that that gives you more of that switch everything option if teams go small and, and you want to match them. It's interesting to see. It's really interesting to see, and I wonder if we will see it in more high leverage moments going forward. I think, so I, I put out, I always put out a call in the Discord if there's anything people want to hear us talk about. Um, and one kind of fits in here. Got a plan, Stan. Tricks me by saying, no questions from me, Ty. Just looking forward to the Clippers preview. As if that's not a question. I called him out. That is a question. That's a thinly veiled question. Talk about the Clippers game. Um, let's just do it right away. Let's just sneak it in here because I don't want to end with it because we're going to have Laz on to talk Pistons and stuff. But how do you think the Bucks match up with the Clippers, and do you think there could be some DJ time in that game? I don't, it's kind of tricky because obviously Zubats is going to start at the 5 for LA, and then I don't really know if I like DJ and Montrez Harrell at all. I think Montrez Harrell is an absolute bowling ball. I think that's a game you'd rather go big against. But what do you think about the Clippers in general? And then what do you think about seeing DJ against that team? Obviously, a potential finals matchup for the Bucks. Well, it's a it's a given that the Clippers are uh, like a very, very good team and led by the star tandem of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Uh, given that the Bucks may see this team down the road, maybe in June, uh, well, obviously, because, you know, West, whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, it's just like the Bucks seem actually kind of well set up to guard them because their two best defenders are on the wings with Giannis and Chris Middleton. Is, am I wrong in saying that? I guess, yeah. No, no, I, I think that's accurate. Uh, who, who would you have guard who? Because last year against the Raptors, it felt like Chris Middleton was the one who was often tasked to guard Kawhi Leonard. And I think, I, I know my take on that was, I thought Chris actually did a pretty good job. I, at parts of that series, I really thought Milwaukee might have even helped him a little too much. I thought Chris was doing really good work and holding down Kawhi as much as possible on his own. Do you, would you stick with that? Would you want Giannis to guard Kawhi? And I'd put probably, Chris on Paul George? yeah, I'd probably do that way with Chris on PG and then Giannis on Kawhi because Kawhi is, he's more physically overpowering than Paul George. So you're going to want a more physically powerful person guarding him. Um, so yeah, Giannis on Kawhi, especially because uh, Kawhi likes to work more in like the mid-range and around the rim because he's actually sneakily not shooting very well from three this year, like at all. Um, so just having Giannis uh, sort of lurking near the rim in the mid-range while keeping Chris on the perimeter, I think that would be the probably be the best option. Yeah, I think that checks out. I think... I actually think Chris is a pretty good Kawhi defender, but I like your answer. You know, keep Giannis at the mid-range area around the rim so he can help more on rebounding. Paul yeah. George is shooting a ton of threes this season. Mm-hmm. Like like taking like something like 10 a game and hitting 40%, and I kind of worry about Giannis on him just because when the action moves within the arc, Giannis often tends to drift away from his man a little bit and go toward the rim. Like his instinct is to be inside you can see it he wants to help inside he wants to get rebounds inside I don't know if I want him on a player who's going to take 10 threes a game like I just I would worry a little bit about you know maybe catching his breath for a minute maybe looking at the action inside seeing if he can go help and try to get a block then Paul George springs open and it's three points I, I I like your your thought of keeping Giannis closer to the basket on defense I think there's a lot of a lot of credence there and I think Chris could also do well enough on PG to slow them down. We'll see. I, th- I think they both play. There's, a t- I think, two days off before this game for the Clippers and one after, so you would think they would both play. But Kawhi just has not been looking that sharp recently. Um, I don't know if he's banged up, if he's just got an issue that's just going to stick with him now. I, I don't know. Some people have said this is like a degenerative thing for him and his quad. I, I have no idea. I don't think anyone knows besides the, the Raptors, the Clippers, and the NBA and Kawhi himself. But... It'll be interesting to see how uh, how much fight he puts into this game. I don't know how concerned the Clippers are with the regular season. They've been getting wins, but I think they're like 15 or 16 and 8, so it's not like they're winning every single game like the Bucks basically are. I don't know. It'll be interesting, but I'm looking forward to the matchup, but I, I, do, I still I don't know how much useful info for a potential finals we're really going to pull out of this game yeah. just because it's, it's in December. It's Yeah, again, it's still early, very early in the regular season. 
there's could be a lot of moves to be made. This could like they the teams could up could end up looking very different come the finals, but it'll it'll still be fun to watch because especially because the Bucks haven't really seen a very competitive game recently. No. So it'll, yeah. it'll it'll be fun from an entertainment perspective in terms of like basketball watchability. Um, but I don't know. It, it'll I'm very excited for this game. I just realized the Bucks have won their last three games by a hundred points. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. Pretty good for the old net rating. Oh my goodness! That's a, that's yeah yeah that's that's very good. That doesn't hurt. Um, so we got a couple more minutes here uh, before we do the second half of this podcast with my man Laz. I got two more questions, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about Giannis, especially his shooting. What should we do first, Ron? I'll, I'll throw it up to you. Uh, let's, let's talk about Giannis' shooting a little bit first. Let's do it. So I wrote the number down on a napkin uh, before mm-hmm. recording because NBA numbers don't update fast enough. We did the math ourselves. Uh, if we're wrong, feel free to dunk on us on Twitter or on the Discord. We'll, we'll deserve it. But by doing the complicated one division it's it's a lot for journalism people to do division or what oh no i'm, I'm a journalism person you're at what's your major again science biomedical oh yeah science. so this i don't know why i did this this should have been a you thing you're, you're know, you expert. just you just took the you just took the lead i did just go for it 31.8 percent Giannis is up to on the season after shooting four for eight from three against the detroit pistons three for four against uh the horn no Knicks. The, the knicks the knicks was the last game the hornets was saturday yeah, my mistake. But so two really good high volume for especially for Giannis uh, shooting games in a row. And I think what I really liked about Giannis shooting in this one, and we, we started to hint about this before the pod, before I did the wait, 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 no, we're wasting good content. Let's come back to it when we're actually recording thing. He was methodical about these threes. Like he would dribble out and you could tell the whole time he wanted, like he was dribbling out to shoot a three. That's what he wanted to do. And I think just being that confident in the shot and that, like, just planning on doing it, I think it says a lot about where his head is at with the threes, and the results are really showing up right now. Yeah, it just seems to be, like, a massive confidence thing. So hopefully we just see this going forward because it it just seems like it's going so well recently. And I don't know. When Giannis puts his mind to things, it just it just sort of materializes. So I don't know. It's It's just very nice to see. It is. I mean, this game, I mean, I, I think we, I, I really think as much as we try not to, I think we t- still take Giannis for granted. 35 points, nine rebounds, two blocks, two turnovers, sure, plus 17 in 28 minutes. He put up 35 and nine in 28 minutes. Like, that's dumb. Yeah. 35 and nine is like a better game than most NBA players will ever get to. Sure, a lot of guys are gonna. It's a a career night for like an average NBA player. It it sure is. Like, if I don't know, I don't want to pick on anybody, but I mean, what? Well, DJ just had a career high with what nineteen in the Knicks game. Mm -hmm. Giannis scored thirty-five in twenty-eight minutes, and everyone, yeah, all right, Giannis did that again. Yeah, MVP type stuff. And on the other end, let's talk about defense for a second, and we'll get more into this. Did a damn good job on Blake Griffin. Blake gets 16 points on 17 shots in 31 minutes. Four for 17 from the field. Just shut down. I mean, everybody on the Pistons pretty much. Andre Drummond with a good game, but most of the Pistons. And D-Rose did all right, too. Langston Galloway made some random shots. but So I guess not everyone, but a lot of Pistons shut down. Blake maybe shut down more than anybody else. Okay. Yeah, it's... Oh, no, go ahead. No, it's just it just seems like he's just overpowering Blake Griffin and that's like not something you would like you would think that's even possible like a couple years back but it's just like okay he's just like I'm just going to be better than you like that's just what he's doing like honestly like I'm going to be better than you tonight Blake Griffin and this is what happens yeah and that sure is what happened all right so we have two more questions I want to get to quick one is pretty related to us talking about Giannis shooting threes and free throws a plinder, I never know how to say it. I guess that's the only way you really can say it. From the Euro group Discord, what's more important for the playoffs, Giannis hitting 33% from three or 75% from free throws? Ooh, that is a good question. Uh, I'd, pro- I'd, I'd say free throws. I think that's the right answer, even though it seems a little boring, just because, I mean, there's going to be times when teams will – I mean, I don't think we'll get to quite hacka territory, 
But there's certainly going to be a lot of times in the playoffs where teams just foul, like put someone in to pick up a few fouls on Giannis and make his life harder. Mm-hmm. And I think all that down low activity, I mean, he can't get an and one every time. And if you're, if you're making one or zero free throws a few trips in a row, I mean, that can really hurt late. So I, I think I agree with you, but the cheating answer, of course, both. Por yeah. que no dos? Yeah, por que no los dos? So, yeah, let's we'll, we'll go officially with free throws, but the actual answer, both. Let's just get both. Yeah. Let's have both. That'll be nice. Yeah. Like, I say free throws because it's like what was part of the reason that the Bucks faltered against the Raptors last year is because they couldn't hit free their throws. free throws. So yeah. it's like if Giannis can hit 77% of his free throws, it, it's a it's a wrap. Yep, which is the number he hit tonight. Did you do that in your head? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, wow. Good stuff, Ryan. 77 point Oh, I, I, def- I definitely did it in my head. What are you talking about? I... <laughs> uh, speaking of numbers, Cowboy of Space, our final question, wants to know, if the Bucks wanted to, how ridiculous could they make their record this year? I think they're on pace for 70 right now, which they also were at some point last year. I doubt they get there, but it feels like they could pretty easily run off 60 again, no? Oh, for sure, especially in this Eastern Conference. Yeah, yeah, that's the real thing. Yeah, like the top East teams are like what they've lost like two games at home. Yeah, it's it's crazy the the yeah the kills come. I think Boston played Miami, and I, I don't I think I don't know if that was in Boston. It might have been in Boston, but Miami lost that one. But yeah, and then it's... and then Miami beat the Raptors at home. Oh, okay. So yeah, there's another one. But yeah, the that like six or seven or whatever it is, and down in the East is just really. It's just rough. I mean, I'm I'm in the chase down Discord with some Cavs people, and I was like saying, "Oh, you guys might still make the playoffs," and only seventy percent joking. Like, they I think they were like three and eleven or something, and that's like two games out of ninth. Like, yeah, it's, this, it's this is the this is the like the East is always bad, but this is just bad. But it, the, the division, the the conferences are actually kind of close this season. I know the West is disappointing. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. Outside of, like, the top, I mean, L.A. matching the Bucks so far just about and wins. They're, they're right up there. And then, you know, a few other good teams. It's just, like, they're, the teams that are at the top are just so much better. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I mean, that 7-8, like, right now, Timberwolves and Suns, they looked really good early, but lately they've been pretty squishy, especially Phoenix. Although Phoenix has been missing some guys. And, and everything below And they're still in just, the 8th spot at 9-11. Nine, nine yeah. yeah, that's crazy to see in the Western Conference. What a time. Yeah. <laughs> yes, what a time indeed. What a time. What a time. Speaking of times, it's Christmas time in the air. This is a sloppy segue, but what can you do? But if you're looking for a great gift for someone in your life, and you should be, like I said, it's Christmas time, the guys you know often get dull, cliche gifts like socks, wallets, and ties. You need to do better for the man in your life. Harry's is a gift that's both thoughtful and practical. Those are two important things. Listeners of the Eurostep can get $5 off any Harry's shave set by heading to harrys.com slash bluewire. Free shipping on those ends on December 16th, so act now. Harry's holiday sets start at just $20. That's within Secret Santa limits if you need one of those fun white elephant gifts or whatever. Although this isn't really a white elephant gift. It's too good. It's, it's just a straight up Secret Santa. The blade refills are as low as $2 each, so your guy, whoever you're getting this for, will save money over time. It comes ready to gift in a handsome holiday gift box. You can't pass up a good handsome holiday gift box. And the best part, your gift gives back. 1% of each sale is donated to charitable organizations. As a special offer for fans of the show, we've partnered with Harry's to give you this $5 off deal, including those limited edition holiday sets. When you go to harrys.com slash bluewire, Plus, you get the free shipping that ends on December 16th, so act now. But to take advantage of this opportunity for this shaving set with the weighted handle, with the option to engrave, five-blade razors, foaming shave gel for a rich lather, and a travel cover to protect your blades, go to harrys.com slash bluewire. That is harrys.com slash bluewire. And if, on the other end of the holiday shopping bonanza, you're worried about shipping your orders out. You have to do that quickly, efficiently, and affordably. ShipStation can help. 
With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door and delivered in time for the holidays. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers including USPS, FedEx, and UPS. You can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. You can take the hassle out of the holiday shipping this year. Let ShipStation help you handle it all with ease. Just use this promo code BLUE, B-L-U-E, for a 60-day free trial. Two months free of no-hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in BLUE. ShipStation.com, offer code BLUE. ShipStation, make ship happen. Easily the best tagline out there. Alrighty, now let's uh, get set for part two of this episode of the Eurostep. Here to talk more about Bucks Pistons with me and Rohan and the Pistons in general. As much as it may pain pain him, yes, I'm reusing lines from before I started recording. Lazarus Jackson, how's it going, Laz? How's it going, Ty? How's it going, Rohan? That's it's good. Yeah, doing well. We're doing well. Rohan and I are still figuring out how to answer guests when we, we have somebody on. It's, yeah. a, it's a work in progress, but we're getting there. Uh, Laz is the host of the Detroit versus Everybody podcast, or Pistons versus Everybody, excuse me. Detroit versus Everybody would be very tough SEO-wise um, on the Blue Wire podcast network here. Yeah, that Detroit versus Everybody is already kind of taken by Tommy Walker. Have yeah. to pay some copyrights and stuff for that. <laughs> yeah, that would about be... That one. That would be tough to find, but you, it's easy to find the podcast Pistons versus Everybody and easy to find Laz on Twitter at Laz Chance. I think I just referred to you as Laz Chance earlier instead of Lazarus Jackson. So my bad, but at least I'm helping the Twitter brand. I, I don't know. I'll take it. <laughs> so first, before we get started, or I guess we can get started here with uh, Rohan and I talked a little bit about this game already. Obviously, the Bucks end up rolling. It's 127-103 uh, finals. Pretty close-ish through most of the first half. Bucks pull away in the second, at end of the second quarter, and then really in the second half. What were your takeaways from this game, Les? Uh Giannis hit four threes. That's kind of scary. Yeah, it is. Uh, we've been talking a lot about this. Uh, four for eight tonight. Three for three for four against the Knicks on Monday. Giannis might just be able to shoot now. I mean, they were giving him a lot of space, and that's what you want to do, but it's now this weird thing where if he's starting to prove he can hit them, you have to play like that extra step, and he can use that step against you to drive to the lane. And, you know, like people have been saying for years, if he can hit that shot, all of a sudden he's unguardable. And, well, tonight he seemed pretty unguardable to me. Yeah, we've sort of hit the point where it's like it's it's almost becoming a consistent thing now, and Ty and I, we've talked about this, but... It just opens up so much more for Giannis and his ability to not only like be like an offensive force on his own, but for the rest of the team. Yeah, it's interesting because like it's not like they're catch and shoot threes. It's not like they're uh, like pull up threes like off a bunch of dribbles or anything. It's like he's just like literally taking like two steps and like walking into like open twenty four footers. And so you you do kind of wonder what happens if teams start to actually play him out there and then try to form the wall behind him. But, um, yeah, it, it, uh, I guess like he, well, he still leads the league in dunks and whatnot. And so you're, it, it's rapidly becoming just like a poor series of decisions all around. Yeah, I think teams are, are running out of good options, which is nice to see as a Bucks fan, less so as a fan of the other 29 teams. I'm going to be honest for a second. I didn't expect this game to be chippy coming into it. I kind of forgot that the Bucks and Pistons had like kind of a thing. It wasn't really a thing, but sort of a thing. I think Blake has been kind of unhappy about uh, the Bucks kind of rolling over his his Pistons and, and his tenure there. What did you expect coming into this? I mean, obviously, I think pretty much everybody thought the Bucks were were going to have a good time. They'd won twelve in a row coming in, but did you expect it to be kind of a, a an edgy game like this? I think six total technicals, or did you were you kind of more like me, kind of just forgot about that aspect of it? I didn't. I didn't think it would be chippy like this. Um, I do know that, like, especially on the second half of a, of a back-to-back, you figured, if anything, um, they would, like, kind of just coast uh, against the team that uh, they, like, weren't going to beat. But, uh, like, Blake does play with a lot of pride. 
Um, I do think there's a lot of frustration among uh, the Pistons that, like, because of the drop coverage, um, like, Blake is just, like, barreling into both Lopez's and not getting any calls, and I can see why he'd be frustrated about that because normally, you know, those those type of things go his way. Um, Andre has played frustrated against the Bucks uh, before. You remember game one and game two oh, of, yeah. of last season. And so... Like, I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but it was also something I had also kind of forgotten about. Because when they played a couple weeks back, like, nothing of the sort happened, right? Yeah, that's what my question was. Like, they've already played since they faced each other in the playoffs. Like, why is it getting chippy in game two? But, you I mean, know, it, maybe it, it's it makes just the whole for, game, right? Yeah, I, yeah, that's true. But it, it does make for a very entertaining game. So, what's wrong with this Pistons team? I mean, it's, kind of, it's blunt, but... <laughs> very blunt. Pit- Pistons dropped to eight and fourteen now, six and five at home at least, which is something. But um, so clearly a lot of road games. But just like this is a team though, I, I defended the Pistons for most of the summer. I thought they added some decent, decent things, like some things that they could use. Like Christian Wood is someone who I knew was good. He's been he's been okay. He's been pretty good. He's he's taken Thon's role at least as the the flaky backup center. I liked D Rose as a, a bench option. That's something that I thought the Pistons have sorely needed. They definitely needed it tonight. No Reggie Jackson and no Luke Kennard makes that even more apparent. And it is, I mean, should point out that the Pistons were without two pretty important creators there. Although Rose still not in the starting lineup. But you know, in your words, as someone who's who's been covering this team, watching this team, talk about this team, what's been the issues here? Is it is it just the injuries, or is there more behind the behind the curtain, so to speak? Do, do you want the long story or do you want the short story? I'll take, like, a long-ish story. Okay, so the long-ish story is that, like, Blake didn't play the first ten games of the year. Um, and now and it took him another four or five games to get his, uh, like, NBA legs under him. And while he was gone, the defense was, like, absolutely atrocious. I know that Blake is not, like, an amazing defensive player, but it seems, so it seems really weird that the defense would be so bad without Blake. But, like, they were giving up, like, 112 points to, like, the, the Bulls and stuff. It was Oof. really – yeah, it was really bad. And so Blake coming back and, like, being able to, like, actually play 30, 35 minutes a night, um, like, has really helped their communication on that end. And they've played better for, like, the last, uh, like, five or six games or so. I think they're – now – I think now they're three and three in their last six games. And so, like – that's pretty good, but like in the meantime, they have like they lost three games to the Charlotte Hornets by a combined seven points. That is bad. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, you can't can't do that. Lost to Washington. That is bad. Can't do that. Lost to the Bulls twice. That is bad. Can't do that. And so like this team uh, is like it, they do look like they're like starting to figure themselves out. They have played well like over the last like ten days or so. But is it? Was it too early, uh, or like, is it too late to like already turn the season around? We're gonna see, right? They're only, I think, a game. I think now they're two and a half games out of the playoffs because Orlando won tonight and we lost. But, uh, but yeah, like, it, uh, if you, if like me, you were expecting them to be like in the mix for like the sixth or seventh seed, like that doesn't look like it's gonna happen anytime this season. Yeah. What What's Reggie Jackson's timetable for those who aren't familiar? So uh, he had a back injury, which is always scary because you, you never quite know like what to expect a uh, recovery timeline from a back injury. We just got the report uh, yesterday, I think, that um, he's progressing nicely. I mean, I, you, you never get the report that like everything's going horribly. But, <laughs> yeah, you know. they, they don't send that. Well, I think the Sixers have gotten close, but they just say nothing in those situations. <laughs> yeah, the process Sixers a couple times, yeah. But, uh, yeah, he's he will be reevaluated in two more weeks, and so that will bring it up Ooh. to like – six or seven weeks without Reggie Jackson. So, yeah, that's kind of rough. I guess, like, the upside there is, like, it should get better when he comes back because you're getting another creator and someone who's familiar with the system and the players. But, like, it's it's just tough when you have someone that important to the team out for that long. Yeah. And don't don't get me wrong. It's not like, it's not like I haven't gotten used to not having Reggie Jackson <laughs> on this Pistons team. Uh, yeah. Sadly. I remember when he first got traded there in, like, the first couple of years, like, they were actually pretty all right when he played with Drummond. Like, when they had both of them, they were good-ish. And then, like, they just didn't have both of them enough. And, I mean, obviously that's more on Jackson than Drummond, who's been pretty healthy. But I know uh, Andre Drummond has literally talked about it being a contract year for him. What have you seen from him so far? I thought he, he looked pretty good at times in this game. He didn't make – I didn't feel like he had an overall – 
like powerful impact throughout, but he certainly came through in a few moments and did lead the Pistons in scoring and rebounding with 23 points and 14 boards. But I don't know. It's is is it just me? Am I am I underrating him? Am I, am I underselling him? Or did he not really have like that much of an impact on the game despite a really nice statistical evening? I think it's always difficult for Andre to impact the game as much as we would like him to just because he's a center who can't create his own shot, right? Yeah. And uh, defensively, he's been very good this year. He's got five stocks tonight, and so like he's productive on that end. But um, at the same time, is he keeping Giannis out of the paint? Like, not exactly. Is uh, he stopping the Bucks from uh, helping to shoot forty-five or 40% from three on the night? Like, not exactly. And so uh, the, he is playing well. He would be playing better if he had better players around him. And, like, that's kind of the, the story of Andre Drummond. Right? Yeah. And the Bucks aren't exactly like his like the greatest matchup for him because yeah. you've got two massive bodies in the Lopez twins who are defending the inside and also stretching him out on the perimeter. So it's like it's not very often like that he would get a matchup like this. So it's like you can't fault him too much because this is not the ideal situation you would want him in. Yeah, the the main the main thing that's been like really bad with Andre this year has been the turnovers. Um he's because of the lack of shot creation from other guys and for you know a good chunk of the season because there was no Blake, he was trying to do more on offense. So that meant like grab and go when uh, and, like trying to get into DHOs. Um, he, got, he got stripped pretty badly against Charlotte and that caused him to lose one of the Charlotte games. And so you can see yeah. the coaching staff like pretty, pretty clearly told him like don't bring the ball up as much anymore. And so now he's kind of resorted to throwing like long outlet passes like he's Kevin Love. <laughs> and like that results in a dead ball turnover like uh, once a game, so like that's been fun. Um, but and you know he gets really he tends to get frustrated if he can't get involved in the offense, and it's difficult for him to get involved in the offense when like Brick Lopez can just like stand underneath the free throw line with his arms up, and the Pistons have no counter to that, despite the fact that they've seen it ten times over the last two years. So yeah, it's 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 uh it's tough sledding for Andre, but. Uh, you know, aside from the turnovers, he has been like really good this year. I do want to emphasize that. It just feels like you're asking, you're, you must be asking him to do something when you trot out a starting lineup of him, Blake Griffin, Tony Snell, Svi Mihailuk, I think, and Bruce yep. Brown. Like, is, is, is a, are they doing like a Bruce Brown as a point guard thing now? Is that what's going on? Yeah, they, they are pretty sure he's going to play point guard. I think the, the Bruce Brown point guard experiment is like a year early. Like, ideally, this is like a year three thing. But uh, he hasn't been awful. That's nice. That's about as good as it is. <laughs> he hasn't been awful. But and like normally, you've got Luke back there to help a lot with yes. uh, ball handling duties, and so that like that's nice. You didn't have, you didn't have that tonight. Um, but yeah, like uh, asking, like he doesn't uh, he doesn't really have like a pick and roll partner in in the starting lineup without Reggie Jackson, and they don't they don't start Derrick Rose, understandably. Um, they've got Derrick Rose on like a minutes limit. Um, and uh, is that Rose just is, like not to cut you off? Is that just like a thing for him from now on? Do you think so they, they're doing it to like keep Rose healthy, basically? Yeah, because okay. he he already like tweaked a hamstring earlier and was missing for like four games. And so at that point, the point guard rotation was like Bruce Brown and Tim Frazier. Oh, so it's like yeah, so like that's really bad. You definitely yeah. can't lose him. And so like they're they're doing what they can to to preserve Rose for the entirety of the season. Hmm. Uh, just out of curiosity, which one of the former Bucks on this roster intrigues you the most? <laughs> Christian Wood. Everyone loves Christian Wood. He's finally uh, the Woodlands. The Woodlands have migrated to Detroit. <laughs> he's he's been really productive in like um, a Marvin Bagley kind of way, where he like just grabs. Ooh, I like that. He just gets points and rebounds, man. It's like that. Those two things are important, and they do show up in the box score. And like if you if you do that, people like you. Um, he's he's been. Dwayne Casey like made him earn his rotation time by uh, by actually play, playing defense, and so he's been better on that end, which has been good to see. Uh, he's also forced Thon Maker like completely out of the rotation, and like that's been a godsend because Thon has been awful this season. And I, yeah. I know you guys are uh, kind of relatively familiar with that. Yeah, and, and so uh, yeah, I, I think the. Uh, the former buck people have been most uh, happy to see is definitely Christian Wood. Yeah, one of the problems that with Christian Wood that uh, we had seen in Milwaukee 
was that he couldn't really function as like without being the primary like initiator on the offensive end like is that still a uh, area of concern for him no no definitely i mean like, it just seems like when he was in milwaukee he seemed to like always need to do things with the ball on his own no well i think since he's playing on the second unit and he's playing most of the time like with a derrick rose or a luke Kennard, um like he he has a pick and roll partner also like it's weird, like, some, uh, me and, like, other Pistons people have, like, noticed this, like, teams will work their butts off to, like, take the role away from Andre Drummond, but, like, Christian Wood just gets to, like, roll into space for free, strangely enough, so, like, he just gets to, like, finish around the basket and do whatever he wants, and no one seems to be paying attention to it, it's, it's really odd, um, but, like, so, it, in, uh, in having another, like dominant ball handler that he's used to playing with, um, it take it takes away a lot of that. We haven't seen him like ball hog or anything like that. No, okay. it, it was progress. Wild yeah. progress for sure. Yeah. It was wild watching him in Oshkosh with the herd because it was literally like uh, the G League Giannis, and I, I don't mean to insult him, but like on the G League level, he was functionally Giannis. Like he would just start a possession at the top of the key and just like go get a layup. Most of the time, he could post up, he could do whatever. Like, there just weren't that many people in the G League that could guard him. So I always wondered, like, would he, like, if you made him play pick and roll more, which the the Herd probably should have done, but I don't know. I mean, if you're the Herd coach last season, I don't know how much you're telling Christian Wood what to do. He was a a member of the Bucks at the time. That stuff gets messy, but I don't know. I always just felt like it was kind of not the best thing for him both in like what his development should be, because I don't think I don't think he'll ever get to the level on the NBA where he should be starting possessions like Giannis. I don't think many guys ever get there. I think it would have been more beneficial for him to do more of that pick and roll stuff. I think it was kind of a disservice to him that he didn't. But I'm glad to see he's doing more traditional big man stuff. But it's nice. I, I, maybe that handle will help him later. Who knows? It, it's interesting. He's a very interesting player to me. I don't think I'm glad he's finding success somewhere else. I, I don't, and that's not a slight to him. I just don't think. The way the Bucks play offense, I don't think a player of his skill set ever would have really fit in and been able to do all that well. Does that make sense? No, it, it does. I think the, the closest thing you see to what you guys are talking about is when he'll, he'll grab a rebound and like he'll go coast to coast. And oh, like, for sure. It's, yeah. it's been yeah. working, and so it's been fine. But uh, I, like, I do, again, want to stress like Casey was like really short with him in the rotation. He has definitely like made him earn these minutes. Uh, he's focused like more defensively. Um, I, he knows, but uh, they like really emphasized that like he knows what he has to do in order to like stay in the rotation and basically like be on the team. Like if you remember, it came down to like him or like thirty-eight-year-old Joe, Joe Johnson. Oh, for, I remember for, oh, for yeah. the final roster spot. And so I like, I hope that experience has uh, like not necessarily like humbled him or anything, but just like made him aware of like what his standing is like in in the NBA. And so, like, he's been he's been great as a role guy, and like, not at all uh, ball hoggy. Good. I mean, it, we love to see we love to see him thrive. We do. It makes sense that he'd be he'd be good at roles. I mean, that's it's kind of like mini ball handling, right? It's like a, a role if you have to move in space a little bit. That's it's yeah. ball handling. It's just kind of condensed and, and shortened. It's a little different, but it's kind of similar. But um, I think that's good that that. Uh, you know, he really had to earn it or whatever. I don't mean to be, you know, preachy or talk down on Christian Wood or anything, but I think it's just a good thing in general. And I, one thing I noticed about him more than anything, like any of his actual basketball plays is, um, I'm going to butcher this name. Is it Seku, Do- Seku Doyumbaya? Seku Dumbuya. Not even close. Wow, that was terrible on my part. It's my apologies to Seku Dumbuya. But... He fouled, I think, Kyle Korver on an attempted three. He fouled somebody. Yeah, that. I tweeted. And, I tweeted that like, "Welcome to the league, Seku. Like, here, here you go." <laughs> but I, what, what was cool about that was I saw Christian Wood of all people kind of go up to him, and it looked like he was really like, like taking advantage of the teachable moment with the young kid. And I was like, "Wow, Christian Wood! First off, not that old to be doing this." But I don't know. I thought it was neat. He wasn't like yelling at him or anything. It really seemed like he was taking him aside and trying to teach him something. And I was like, "Huh, that's." That's a nice thing to see from Christian Wood. I, I enjoyed seeing that from him. Yeah, I, I missed that moment. But, like, you also got to remember, Sekou's, like, 18. Yeah. And so, despite the fact that Wood is, like, still under 25, he's got six years on him. It's like, to him, he, crazy. He, he, yeah, to him, he, like, is this, like, grizzled vet. So, what? that makes sense. 
Rohan, do you have something? I, I thought I heard Rohan. No, that's just that's just wild to me. The age, it's like twenty five <laughs> is like a six year vet to this kid. Like, oh, man, they're getting younger and younger. I sound they so are. old right now. They really yeah, are. not even that old. We we are we are all that old now that there's eighteen year olds regularly in the NBA. But tell us about this eighteen year old Doom. Is it really is it Doom Booya? Doom Booya. That's yeah. such a cool name. Yeah, we. Uh, He's played. He started most of the year in the G League, and he was like killing it. Well, he wasn't like killing it in the G League, like scoring like thirty a night and like going off like Christian Wood was. But like for an eighteen-year-old dude who was playing in like a lesser league in France, if I remember correctly, before he was drafted, he was playing pretty well, averaging I think like sixteen a night, shooting uh, high thirties, low forties from three, um, doing everything you'd like him to do. Like. Um, handling dho's finishing around the rim um catch and shoot threes uh finishing in transition he seems to really like uh attacking the rim in transition which is like good to see and uh yeah just getting back cut like every single possession like you would expect an 18 year old to do on, yeah. on defense um but he he is really he offers a lot of potential and i think that's that's very exciting to pistons fans but um it's uh, I was guilty of this. I thought, like, because he'd been a professional since he was 16, he might be more NBA ready than others. And like, no, it's just the scouts were right. And he, this is a this is a project. It'll take him a couple years. But is he two years away from being two years away? He's not that. He's not that far away. I think <laughs> he's he's probably like, uh, like this time next year. You hope he's uh like holding down like a 15 minute a night rotation spot, and then like. Two years after that, that's when you're hoping for the pop, right? When he's uh, three years later, be like 21, 22. Like, that's when you're hoping that, like, you, you see what this guy's really got. Hmm. It'll be fun to watch. I like that the Pistons are not just shoving everybody into a role right away. I kind of like that. I mean, they kind of have to because you got Blake and Andre. You can't really just throw every three, four right into the rotation. But I don't know. I think it's I think it's a good way of going about things sometimes yeah. as opposed to expecting every single rookie to be like Luka Doncic right away. Yeah, I mean, like, they, they traded for Svee, Mikhail Luke like, last year, right, to, to play. And they've given him an opportunity to do so. Um, they, they traded for Tony Snell to play, and they've given him an opportunity to do so. So, like, there, there are definitely dudes ahead of Sekou, like, in the rotation who should be playing uh, above him right now so it makes a lot of sense to just get him as much development time as possible yeah absolutely so i have two two questions for you before we wrap up here all right first up do you think there's any chance that the pistons blow it up this year this to me does not seem like a team that has any interest in in being in the lottery but i mean after if 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 the losses keep piling up like is there any chance that we see Andre on the market, Blake on the market, any of this fun stuff that ESPN, well, I don't know if ESPN would get that interested in it, no offense, but that trade Twitter would get super excited about. I think if the losses do continue to pile up, it's possible. I don't think it's likely. Do you think it's think, more likely that they make a, another move to try yes. and like, like for like a Demar Derozan or something? No, no. Not, <laughs> I think I think they try and make another move. I don't think it's for uh, a Demar Derozan. It was funny though. They played the Spurs uh, a couple games ago, and Demar was like shooting threes and like basically like screaming like trade for me, get me out of here, <laughs> like I'll do whatever you Casey. want. Yeah, he's got the Casey relationship and stuff. But no, I think um, this team will definitely try to make uh, one more small addition. They've got a bunch of expiring money, right? Like, uh, as important as Reggie Jackson uh, has been to this team, that's $18 million worth of expiring money. Like, that could be pretty valuable. Uh, Langston Galloway has played really well this season, um, well enough that I think you uh, could get something for his $7 million expiring, like another rotation piece maybe uh, on the wing. Um they I, I don't know if they would be willing to part with like uh, a protected first or something but uh, i wouldn't put it past them and you know we'll see we'll see how that goes uh but i do think it's more likely that they try and uh make a move to make the playoffs than they do to to blow it up it'll be interesting to watch i think i think there's this this perception right that you need to go like go for broke or nothing you know if you're not contending blow it up but I mean, I think the Raptors, Dwayne Casey's old team, are kind of proof of the opposite can work, right? Like, the Raptors were, like, as 
good as you can be while also being sort of middling for a long time there with Lowry DeRozan. But, like, they stayed good. They developed really well. They kind of piled up assets, so the Pistons haven't exactly done too much of that. But eventually they get an opportunity to make a move. Like, I think I don't think the Pistons are nearly close to where the Raptors were, I mean, on top of the East for a little while, at least during the regular season. But I just think generally I, I do – I don't hate not blowing it up. I mean, I think – I think maybe sometimes when you have, you know, Blake on this contract and everything else, maybe you need to look into some things. But I just want to say my piece there. and You, you don't always have to blow it up. You, you can be good. Being good does help sometimes. Yeah, being good is fun. It's good, you know? Yeah. The nice thing about this team is that uh, even if they were to, to blow it up, the between, like, Bruce Brown, Luke Kennard, Svi Luke, like, Sekou Dumbuya, like, all these dudes we've talked about, all those dudes are, you know, on rookie scale deals, right? Like the, the turnaround uh, could happen relatively quickly if uh, they're able to like find something uh, in in the trade in whatever trades they would make for uh, Blake Griffin. And so, uh, yeah, like there's hope on that front. This isn't like uh, like two years ago. This team had like the the only prospects on the team were like Stanley Johnson, like Henry Ellenson, and like their oh, two way guys. Mark right. legend Henry Ellenson. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, Rice Lake legend Henry Allenson, <laughs> and uh, and and so like at that point is like if this team was like going to blow it up, they would have to like there's nothing in the cupboards like to to rebuild around. Like now you've got you've got a Bruce Brown who like looks like a role player. You've got a Luke Kennard who looks like a a really good role player. Uh, you've got like a Seku Dumbuya who offers a lot of hope. You've got a Steve McKaylee who like looks like a solid role player. Even even a guy like Christian Wood that they've found off the scrap heap since he's still 24. Like, uh, if you sign him to a like relatively like low money like longish term deal, like that seems like a guy who could be productive for you for the next next couple of years. And so it it's there's not there's not nothing here to rebuild like from. No, no, oh. exactly. There could be a fast turnaround if things go south, but hopefully things do not go south. Thank you, Rohan. <laughs> <laughs> we need our uh, we need our eighth seed rival for that first round. Keep things interesting. You, what uh, you guys don't want to play the Magic? <laughs> I mean that no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> last question uh, hinted at before I had two left. What are your? We, we always want to close with this when we bring on somebody from a different team. What are your thoughts on the Milwaukee Bucks this season? Obviously, right now uh, seems like it's pretty easy to have positive ones, but. You know, so far from the season, what are your what are your Milwaukee takeaways? As much as you paid attention to them, so I was hoping to save like some of this for the podcast we're gonna do right after this, Ty. And I mean, my tease it, tease it, tease, tease it. it. So uh, I was dubious about their long term prospects because they weren't willing to go into the tax to pay for Malcolm Brogdon. I know that you're a little salty about that, so I won't like who me salty never. No, that's not Ty at all. <laughs> I won't press too hard on that, but I have been impressed that they've made it work without him. And uh, considering like how good he looks in Indiana, like maybe he was better than I expected. And so like both of those two teams, those two things working in concert, it's like maybe this team is just better than I imagined that they would be. It seems pretty good. I think for more of my thoughts on the Malcolm Brogdon situation, you're going to have to check out uh, Pistons versus everybody. New episode. I'm gonna save it for now, partly because we're really, really running up on time for this one, but partly because hey, I don't want to take all Laz's material. That's not nice, and I think the Bucks were already not nice enough for the Pistons. On this day, I don't think we need to carry it on any further. So, uh, before we wrap this one up, I mean, I hope I hope Rohan's ready with the closing. He does those now because I'm terrible. But Laz, do you have any plugs for the people who are listening? Obviously, you should go uh, listen, subscribe, rate, review the Pistons versus Everybody podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. You should follow me on Twitter at Laz Chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. I am also an editor at uh, SB Nation's Detroit Bad Boys. That's the Detroit Pistons uh, fan site. So you should check that out anytime uh, the Bucks play the Pistons. And yeah, thanks for having me on, Ty and Rohan. Appreciate it. Okay, thank you very much for coming on, and thank you listeners for listening to this latest edition of the Eurostep podcast. It is our pleasure to bring this content to you, and we did take a break off. I hope you guys all had a lovely holiday weekend. We're glad to be back, and follow Ty and us on Twitter if you want to be part of our Discord channel, which we talk 
during games, uh, just general NBA stuff, uh, just general Buck stuff. Uh, send, tweet me or Ty a picture of uh, you listening to the podcast. Uh, and again, rate and review the Euro stuff and Pistons versus everybody again. I'll plug that again for you guys. And yeah, thank you for listening. Tell your friends, tell your family, just listen to the pod and we appreciate your support and we will catch you next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.